Hey everyone, welcome to my Ask Me Anything or Let's Chat, where I can help you understand your training data, train more effectively, and really accomplish my vision of creating more informed coaches and faster athletes. Right, so to get straight into it, Phil from Ireland said, what are the essentials an athlete or recreational triathlete needs to focus on slash get right to recover from high volume multi-sport training? Well, Phil, this is, this is a contentious topic for me around high volume uh, training and recovery, because obviously we have the, the equation of stress, rest, adaptation. And if you're like any of my clients, you have a family, you have a job, and you have just general stress going on uh, around your life. And that makes high volume, especially triathlon training, incredibly hard to recover from yes because of your personality type you can jam that training in every which way into your week to ensure that you accomplish it but what i've noticed is a lot of setbacks a lot of plateaus and just inefficiency in progression uh, so what i mean by that is there's this article i have it on my blog um, it'll be a couple years old now where i said you know is it minimalist training or is it volume appropriate training because minimalist training is kind of a it's it's a hot fad um, term that triathletes or Ironman athletes like to use to say you know I can train 10 hours a week and achieve an Ironman and in that article I kind of outline that is it minimalist training or is it actually volume appropriate training because 10 hours a week you can get exceptional high quality training done and you can recover exceptionally well if you plan your week appropriately. So you do that, and then you're just getting, you're just nailing training because you know you can achieve a 10 hour week. Then you can plan for uh, training blocks or long weekends uh, where you have your specificity of high volume intensive training. And another option I like to do is you have a, a two week window and you have 10 days of high volume training within that 14 day period. So it allows you four recovery days, but you can also figure out how you can get 10 high volume days achieved in that two week period. And you can negotiate with your boss or your family to um, have days off, finish earlier, start later, all of that. And then you can also make sure that you're getting you know, the quality training, the high volume, which is specificity, and you're getting the recovery. because if you try and do it week in, week out, it's just, it's not going to lead to a long-term chronic progression. You might get an acute progression, but you're probably going to get a long-term regression or plateau. So yeah, when we're talking about recovery, recovery and high volume, they don't go together very well. It's kind of like you get one or the other and you need a plan to insert one alongside or after the other so once you're doing your high volume you need to figure out where recovery is going to happen because it's not going to happen with high volume with your life for a professional athlete you can go on training camp and just sleep eat train easy uh, whereas you probably don't have that luxury um, so that's where you can scale back during you know your your everyday weeks you're like yeah i need to get my ftp tempo threshold work i need to get a three swims done and they need to be you know anaerobic specific so i'm getting uh, over stimulus otherwise I'm just cruising and then I need to get my run workouts whatever they be you know hills uh, threshold tempo long um, 
whatever that is, I've got it in that blog. Um, have a look on my site uh, for what a Ironman week would look like in minimalist phase and what your like focused volume sessions would look like if you target those. Then if you're just looking at like recovery, um, you're not talking about like the juggling act of all of this. You're talking about just like general recovery about nutrition, you know, compression, ice baths, all of that. Number one, sleep, sleep more. If you can sleep more, you'll achieve great things. All right, next. Penny, how does Strike compare to the Garmin strap for power? So the numbers aren't going to match. They're going to be way different in terms of, even if you're just running on a straight road, uh, no clouds, no trees, nothing to inhibit GPS signal or anything, um, you will, you'll get different numbers. Whereas uh, the Coros watch and stride, you'll almost get exactly the same numbers, there or thereabouts. Um, then with the Garmin strap, if you're running around streets uh, and just over train, that's generally very consistent. So if you're, I'll kind of say what you shouldn't do or where it's inaccurate is uh, in trails and forests, uphills, tight turns, uh, the Garmin strap power fluctuates a lot whereas stride or a chorus is a lot more consistent. Um, it's taking into account a lot more data points than the Garmin is. And Garmin really, from my understanding, from what I've looked at, hasn't developed that algorithm in a few years. So yeah, Garmin strap, like it's fine. It's okay, but it's, it's the bottom of the pile for me. Okay, so what works best software to analyze uh, your power, training piece, WK, Garmin Connect. All right, so, and this kind of links to your other question that I saw there uh, around like what to look for. So I, like I'm associated with Training Peaks and they do amazing, WK5 is great, but for ease of use between you and me, today's plan is really good, today's plan. So what you can do is you can get all of that data you're talking about and you can compare and contrast with you know, past workouts within the current workout, you can compare, um, sorry, I'm annotating this. Uh, if I turn that off, um, oh, I can't seem to be able to do that, but you can, yeah, like I can look at my 10, 10 minute peak heart rate, and then I can also look at my 10 minute peak power, uh, and I can see where they came and, and all of that, like what, what all these different metrics are, I can look at that. So that's today's plan, and that's going to be really good for everything that you, you need to achieve. And what was next? Oh, yeah, so Garmin Power on the treadmill. I haven't used Garmin Power on the treadmill um, compared to outside, but from my understanding for how Garmin calculate things, like you'll have to have your watch on, on treadmill mode, but because the treadmill mode utilizes the accelerometers and built into your wrist, that's going to be inaccurate. And how that feeds through to their algorithm, I've got no idea, but based on what I've seen from the Garmin Power stuff, it'll be a bit sketchy and it's probably not going to correlate very well. Not like the stride or the course, which again, super consistent. I don't have experience with Polar or Wahoo, but uh, yeah, I can't really comment on that one too much, I'm afraid. Uh, so yeah, when I'm said about the oscillation stride lengths, I'm using uh, today's plan. If I'm doing a deep dive, what I mean by a deep dive is 
I'm looking at, so if I'm building up for a marathon, I've got marathon specific work sessions that I'm doing, you know, 10K, half marathon, 20K, 5K intervals, all at marathon pace. And what I want to look is compare those uh, and see if I'm improving or if I can improve any of these metrics. So vertical oscillation, I want to get that down. Stride length, I want to increase that. Ground contact time, I want to reduce that. So it doesn't matter what your measurements are versus my measurements. What we want to know is where's that line in the sand and how does that look between two sessions? How does that look between different shoes, different kit, different conditions? And how does that look at the beginning of a 20K run, you know, the first 5K segment versus the last 5K segment? And we can compare that and go, wow, look, I'm spending longer on the ground. I'm, I'm you know, vertical oscillations increasing between, you know, at the end, I'm just getting really inefficient. So I need to do a lot more work at that back end, um, or I need to concentrate more, whatever it is, because look, at the beginning, I look amazing and I'm deteriorating and I need to hold this for a whole marathon and I'm deteriorating over 20 Ks. So that's what that's how I deep dive. Then if I'm just looking generally, like you can just jump on Garmin Connect on your phone generally is what I'll do, or the Stride app or the Chorus app, whatever app you're using. And you can just have a look at what you're trying to to achieve so i'm trying to get this up to 85 uh cadence that's just one it's just looking at one lead because i think this is pushing through from stride this stuff um so then i just go through and go oh look you know i just want to be at 85 or 170 rpm um for my cadence and i'm not doing that so that's easy to check uh ground contact time you know vertical oscillation form power i can i can just kind of check these things very quickly but uh, I can't do a deep dive and do any com comparison contrast stuff. Um, so then the next, Steve is the next question around a long run. So my weekly long run should, can be extended by what time or distance, by what percentage? So if we're looking at fixed distance events um, that are relatively controlled, uh, where I say that, I mean a marathon, right? I'm not talking about trail events. Trail events are relatively uncontrolled. You, it, you know, you could have an alpine marathon or an alpine 50k, 80k, 50 mile, and we have no idea what that's really going to to correlate to in terms of time. So, yeah, if you're looking at road-based stuff, you go distance, and then if you're looking at ultra stuff, I use time. And so by what percentage can we increase? 30% absolute max. 10% it's too small in my opinion. In the literature, they say 20 to 30% is kind of that sweet spot zone. And should this ever be reduced or scaled back? So it should be scaled back probably when you're getting up towards 30 kilometers. Uh, when you're up around 30 Ks, 20 miles, you're, that's enough. Like what you want to do there is, is really start to integrate tempo work or hard hills or um, some pre-fatigue intervals or post uh, or like progressive increasing intensity uh, throughout or outputs throughout the run. Because once you get over 30, you're starting to reduce your bang for buck. Uh, and that's where I, I recommend you check out my Science of the Long Run article. And that science, the long run, I kind of, I talk about, well, 
you know, how, how much should you progress? What does the literature say? And what does it mean to do a long run if you are going to do a, you know, five-hour marathon, marathon pace, ultra-marathon pace, you know, some of these paces, they're just too slow to elicit really quality training uh, adaptations. So you're better off doing 20K, back-to-back -back 20Ks, you know, Saturday, Sunday at a zone three, you know, with a period at zone three tempo work rather you're going to elicit more although it's far from uh, the 50k you mentioned in your question um or at least in the uh email you sent through you know that's where that's it just gets really complicated so my plans my training plans talk all about this so if you jump on my website go to training plans click through to like all the 50k plans and uh you can check that out so dr will 20 they'll give you a 20 20 discount um so with a limited budget, power or heart rate monitor, what do you, what gives you the most for your money? Heart rate, hands down. Heart rate is amazing. Power is like incredible, but especially for you doing an ultra, heart rate is going to give you the best input metrics. That is how much effort are you putting in? Because if your pace or your power aren't reading accurately, your heart rate's still going to tell you, especially with a chest strap, how much work you're doing. And it's going to take into account how fatigued you are, what the conditions are, what's your hydration status, if you're carrying a, a camelback or not, you know, power and pace, not, they don't care if you've got two kgs of water on you. Your heart rate is going to show that you're working at a certain rate. And if you're above whatever it is, kind of 80, 85% for your 50K of your heart rate threshold, you're going too hard and you're going to blow up. Uh, so value for money, heart rate strap. And that's us. That's us for today. Thanks, guys. Hope that helped. Make sure you check me out on my social medias and at Dr. Will O'Connor, Performance Advantage podcast that I do with Dr. Matt Miller. Um, stay in touch with my blog. Reach out if you have more questions. We'll keep doing these. My training plans are available. I've got some awesome stuff for 2022 coming out with the Faster for Data. And yeah, just generally stoked to be helping you guys out. All right. Until next time. We'll catch you later.